Welcome everybody, everybody, to another episode of Topical Brainstorm. We've had a little bit of a break, but we're back. And uh, I'm here with Garrett and also my mother, Susie Larson. Hello. Who's our, she's our guest star and expert. Uh, she's much more of an expert than I am or Garrett at anything that we've talked about in the last year. So that, This is very true. <laughs> Hopefully we get some good insight. But um, she'll be answering a few of our questions on the book we've been reading and it's actually probably the last episode we'll do on this book we finished it up but it's the man's guide to women by john and julie gottman um so yeah we're looking forward to uh some expertise <laughs> i'll do my best <laughs> so thank you for uh thanks for coming on mom well i i am a woman so that makes me know more about women than both of you two but uh <laughs> I've got a few years' experience uh, in making a relationship work, so I'll do my best. Yeah, so you've been married to Dad for... Do you uh, know? What's the math on that? <laughs> 40? No. Oh, no. 30? <laughs> I was off by 10 years. 30? No. You're not you in your 30s yet? Well, yeah, 35. Oh, well, you interrupted me. I was going to get no. there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So not only that, I mean, 35 years of marriage, four kids, um, and you're also, maybe you can tell the listeners about what you do for your profession, for your career. Yeah, um, I work as a licensed clinical professional counselor. So I see, um, I do see couples. Um, that's not the main um, clientele that I have, but I do see couples quite often, um, and a lot of individuals and families in some counseling. So I have become more of an expert in some of the problems that couples go through and relationship challenges. So I got a little bit of experience that way. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be real good. So, um, awesome. So thanks you. Thank you again, mom, for being here. Sure. You owe me and, son. Uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I need to get you a Christmas present since oh. uh, all of my sisters just teamed up and left me out. Uh, wow, like, that's messed up. <laughs> well, it's still my fault. I uh, You didn't answer I, text message? Well, I didn't answer any of the 60 text messages I got from a group chat. So, well, I mean, Garrett, I know how Garrett feels about group chats. He hates them. And, yes. Uh, sometimes I'm working and look down and I have 40 messages. It's hard to catch up quickly enough to, to get in on the plans, but all anyway. right, we'll, we'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, unless you have something else to add, Garrett, for an intro, go ahead and go ahead and ask your first question. All right. I'll uh, just jump in with my first question then, because I don't have anything to add. So, um, so I have a friend who. Like he's very afraid of commitment and it's very evident once you get to know him that especially when you look into his past relationships that he's just very, I don't know what he's afraid of, but he's afraid of something. And he dated this girl for like two years and it came time to either get married or break up. Um, 
and you could tell that they both like really liked each other you know they they were in love let's say that uh but they broke up because he's afraid of commitment so mm. as someone that's been married a while uh what would your advice be to to both my friend and the girl that he just broke up with after dating for like two years? Uh, you know, um, that's a tough one. I'd want to know more about it, but I'd also, I'd want to know like, what is the big fear here of, of the commitment? And just, just to clarify, we're not talking about you, are we Garrett? No. (laughs) Because a lot of people do that where they're like, I have this friend a hypothetical. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> you. Okay. All right. I would, I would just say if it was me. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know what the, what the fears are. And, uh, truly like, you know, they care about each other. And so if they're waiting for some kind of perfect thing to happen, I don't, I think they have a skewed look on what relationships look like. Cause they're not perfect. They're they're They can be messy. Um, if there are some real flags, then it's probably a good thing they broke up. But if they really care about each other, I think any two people can, I think you can make it work. It's a lot of hard work, but I think you can make it work. So I don't have advice. I do want to sit down and kind of uh, pry into what's going on. Um, and sometimes you just have to face your fears. What would you tell them, Garrett? Or what have you told them? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, well, I've told my friend many times to just like suck it up, but I don't think that's the way to go. Christian actually knows this person as well. Okay. Um, and I don't know, like I have no idea what to tell, tell them. And I, I don't know what to tell her either because like, she's really nice and, I don't think she really saw it coming and she really wanted to get married. And then he, you know, he loves her, but he didn't want to marry her. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? So, yeah, I, I, I would, I guess if it was um, somebody I really cared about, like if I was a, a friend of one of them, I would suggest she try he or she, they just try to move on, you know, like, and maybe he will never be happy if he's the one that broke it off. Maybe there's he's looking for something just more ideal than what's really out there, if if that's the case. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'd get him in my office and I'd just break him. I'd make him cry and figure it out. <laughs> do, you, do you make people cry in there? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I... No, but sometimes it's nice when they just really get vulnerable and get real with what's going on. So that's usually what happens at a counseling session is they it gets it gets you know the the exterior the tough exterior comes down and they get real vulnerable about what's going on. So do you ever have a hard time getting people to open up, or yeah, most of the time are they pretty? No, open? some people have a really hard time letting 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 themselves go there. They, they really do. So, um, I, I can't, I can't crack them sometimes. Some people just refuse to, to allow themselves to be vulnerable. So, yeah, but 
anyway. Yeah, so follow up to that question. Yeah. Uh, fear of commitment or commitment issues. That's definitely something you hear a lot these days. When you, before you got married, mom, uh, was that a term that was thrown around very often? Do you feel like fear of commitment has risen substantially in the last 35 years? Um, I don't remember that whole, that phrase, fear of commitment, but I do think that, you know, the standards in the last 30 years of people committing in marriage has definitely, I don't have the stats to back that up, but I just think fewer people are committing to marriage. They just, uh, you know, it's much more common to just live together in a partnership rather than the commitment of marriage. And, and as that book points out, the benefits of marriage, there really, there are a lot of benefits to that commitment. And so um, I think, I, I think it's much more acceptable in the world to just, you don't have to make that formal commitment to one another and, and people aren't. So maybe there is a bigger fear of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I did recently look up like which state has the highest divorce rate. Oh, yeah. And I was expecting, because Utah, you know, a lot of religious people in general here in Utah, right? I was, I guess I was hoping to see that Utah would be near the bottom of the list. But Utah's in the top 10 of states for divorce rate. Um, and the lowest state for divorce rate was California. And that was kind of surprising, too. And then I thought about it, and I was like, it's probably because they just don't get married as often, you know? Probably because yeah. fewer people are getting married, so it's just a breakup. It's not a divorce because they maybe they cohabitate or whatever, but they True. never actually get married, like you said. And maybe Utah's is higher because more people do get married. Yeah. The same is true. That, yeah. that could then that's, be. Yeah, exactly. That's, that was my thought as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think as well, people. a lot of people in Utah get married without a lot of thought. <laughs> like most people outside of Utah will date for many, many years before they decide to get married. Where in Utah, it's very, very condensed timeline. True. Right. I I did think it was interesting in the in the book. Um, it talked about the um, commitment, and the longer a couple cohabitated, the less they look like a married couple. When it came to commitment, did you guys see that? On it was on page one seventy, I think. It was kind of interesting that um, they actually it was they actually look less like a partnership and a marriage when they just cohabitated versus marriage. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember something along the, those lines of. Sorry, go ahead, Mom. Yeah, it, I mean, it just says they expect, okay, the people who live together would become more similar to married couples the longer they live together. But he said that was the opposite was true. The longer they cohabitated, the less they look like a married couple. Um, and, and they were talking about even like infidelity and everything. The longer they lived together, the less likely they were to be truly committed to one another. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the part about... Um, being married adds an average of eight years to a man's life, like how healthy it was for a man, like their cardiovascular health and 
blood pressure and cholesterol and everything. I thought that was really interesting statistics. Yeah. So, well, Kylie, more, Kylie moral makes... of the story. <laughs> Get married, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, right. <laughs> yeah, Garrett. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say, Kylie makes me eat my broccoli, you know? Nice. So that's a part nice. of it. <laughs> Wait, does she really? Well, I, I mean, I like, I usually like vegetables, but she's the one who actually buys them and puts them in the yeah. freezer or fridge and then cooks them, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I never ate vegetables when I was single in college. <laughs> no one else made them for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> back to the commitment stuff. Uh now, once you've made that commitment, the last chapter of the book talks about, you know, honoring her hopes and her dreams. Uh, in your opinion, how does that happen? Like, what what's the ideal way of of going about that? Well, I want to do what counselors do when they get asked a question, they throw it back (laughs) and they say, well, what do you think? (laughs) But (laughs) you can do that. That's fair. You can. It's fair game. (laughs) Because, uh, um, I would guess that you both probably already know how to, how to, how to do that and how to help somebody. I mean, I just think it's like you've, you've gone through this book and you guys, uh, did that other podcast but I think it's like when you're attuning and you're, um, you're, you know, you're an equal partnership, you, you know, their dreams, you ask about them, you encourage them, and then you would support her in anything that she wanted to do, you know, within reason in a partnership that the, the two of you can work together to achieve. So I don't think anybody in a marriage or when they, like become parents that, you know, there is a lot of sacrifice that happens, but I don't think either partner should sacrifice what their hopes and dreams are. Um, yeah. Cause it's, you're not going to have a happy wife and then you're not going to have a happy marriage. If, yeah. if she feels like she's just supporting you, fulfilling what you want to do career wise and what your goals are, then she'll just be resentful. Yeah. So here's here's a, a follow up question. Okay. That I didn't actually send you beforehand. I just okay. thought of this. Pop so quiz. like let's say I have a dream that's not really realistic. How should my spouse go about or my partner go about telling me that maybe that shouldn't be a dream? <sighs> Is this like, like on a whim you're asking this question or is there some crazy dream you have, Garrett? <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, I have tons of crazy dreams. I mean, there's realistic and then there's just like out of the world impossible. So, yeah. it, I mean, I think you, if, if I think a good partnership would not squash the dreams, but help maybe refine them and, um, help, help you, you know, help you see what is possible and support you in that. Um, 
if it's crazy, then somebody's <laughs> got to tell you. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I mean, if if something was just like going to sink all your funds in some yeah. dream, you know, somebody has to be the voice of reason sometimes. So that's, I don't think that's unsupportive. I think that's just being smart. Like you, you talk it out, you work it out. You might have a, have to compromise on something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Garrett has always wanted to live in a trailer. I have always wanted to do that. Yeah. Is that, is that the dream? <laughs> I mean, it, it could be. <laughs> is that the one where Michaela's just like, what? <laughs> That might be a deal breaker for her. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever actually told her that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could. Uh, I don't hey, know. To be fair, <laughs> I would like to pull the trailer a lot of different places and see some cool stuff. Oh, oh so, it's like a camping trailer. Yeah. Okay. Or like an RV or something. Okay, know? that's not so bad. Not, yeah. not, a, not a double wide in a trailer park. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to living there, but I, I, I'd rather have a house, you know. Okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense, though? Just uh, you just support one another, and um, no, in a in a good relationship, nobody is over another person or has the final say over that other person. I think you just work things out. Sometimes it's it's timing. You know, maybe one person works on their dream and then the supports the other person to get to, to meet their, their dreams or goals. Sometimes it, you know, you just have to like give and take sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, related to a question I have related to something you kind of brought up on that last question. Um, you mentioned that you you brought up the uh, the idea of having children, mom, mm-hmm. and how that's something you have to figure out with your spouse of who's going to give up what, right? And obviously, there is, I mean, historically in in our country and in the world, um, the men usually work a job full time and the women stay home and raise kids at that stage in life, right? Um, traditionally yes traditionally and and that's becoming less and less common but that that's how our family was for Mm -hmm. the longest time right you were a stay-at-home mom and it was only when I was in high school that you went back to school and and you're now um doing what you're doing right but did you feel at that time that you were sacrificing a lot of yourself or a lot of your life to have children and how did you deal with that or um cope with that or whatever well i i didn't feel at the time i mean yes having children is a huge sacrifice and a huge time commitment um i that was my dream though and i think unlike a lot of people um i grew up wanting to just i mean i truly wanted to be a mom and that was my number one goal was to be a mom and the hope was that I could stay home and and do that. And I and I feel very fortunate that I got to do that. I do not like looking back. I don't feel like I gave up any kind of um, career dreams to do that because that was what I dreamed of doing. So that might be old fashioned and very traditional, but I don't feel like I 
had to give up anything of myself to do that, if that makes sense. Um, the women of the world right now, most of them might not agree with that. They might look at it and think that I did give up something, some kind of, um, of my own dreams to do that. But in that, in my experience, that, that wasn't my experience because that's what I chose to do. And I appreciated um, your dad supporting me in being able to do that. I don't regret it a bit. It was the hardest thing and the best thing that I've ever done. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But was it a, was it a sacrifice? Just, I mean, like anything worthwhile that you do, if you put your heart into your career, um, you're sacrificing um, other things maybe to be very successful at your career. You know, if, if um, so I guess you could say maybe I sacrificed the opportunity to go have a career, but that wasn't my dream at the time. So I don't feel like I lost out on anything to answer that question. Yeah. So at least in that regard, it was an easy yeah. decision. I think there are a lot of women who probably do feel like they're giving up a lot to have children. And should they choose to stay home or should they feel like they need to stay home, they might be very resentful about that decision because maybe that wouldn't be their dream to do that right then. So it's a hard one. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody should judge another person for their choices either. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt sometimes I got defensive of that because I think um, I remember I had a friend who was just like, well, you wouldn't understand because you're just a stay at home mom. And those were fighting words to me <laughs> because yeah. I chose to do that. I wanted to do that. I felt like that was what was in the best interest of, of you know, our children. So, well, you raised three great kids. Three. <laughs> Three of the four aren't so bad. Yeah. I've got, I've got, wait, who's the bad one? Me? Yeah. yeah. What you're saying? Yeah. I thought you just forgot how many sisters I had for a second, but. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're, you're great too, Christian. You're Thanks, usually bud. quicker than that, Christian. <laughs> well, I just, Garrett's usually not that quick, you know, so. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. Well, uh, so I've, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of my friends and with my, my brother-in-law, uh, Lance, if he's listening to this, uh, about being a problem solver, like men are problem solvers. And a lot of times that's what we jump to. We're like, well, that like we hear a complaint um, and we know now that, you know, we're just supposed to listen. Um, <laughs> Do you and, know that? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We, we know that. At least I know that. And I still have a hard time not fixing the problem. Because a lot of the times the solution is just right there in my in my mind, you know. So, how do you recommend becoming a better listener and not 
and, and maybe becoming less of a of a problem solver. You know, this is what I do almost every day with people is try to teach them, especially when there's conflict, to truly listen and and convey that back because that honestly I think that is where the trust is developed when a person is sharing something and they get met with well you, you know you really ought to try this that doesn't feel validating at all in fact it it disconnects people um Brene Brown is really good about this, talking about, she's a psychologist who talks about the connecting and showing empathy towards people. And I mean, you go back and read the, these early chapters in the book, that, that whole attune thing. What is it? You guys should have it memorized by now. What is it? I marked the page, attend. So you're really giving them attention. Um, turning towards understanding and that is you know no matter what that person is saying to you it's like you're 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 nodding you're getting it you're not trying to fix it you're you're just trying to like understand where this person's perspective is and what's going on um i i mean when you're doing that what happens is she she feels understood and then she trusts you if you can understand her and convey that back to her that you get her, she was going to want to tell you more and share more. And that's really where the relationship grows. So stop it. <laughs> stop fixing it. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Just, okay. <laughs> because when you try to fix it, what, what the message you're saying is, I don't trust you to fix it, so let me hear. Let me take care of it. Yeah. And like that does not sit well with anybody. Yeah, so that tells that tells the person, look, you don't you don't even you're, you're not even an expert in your own life here. Let me take care of that for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're dismissive and or and I'm not saying you, Garrett, but like it, yeah. it's it's dismissive and it's um, I don't know. It, it, it really will draw, you know, put a wedge between your relationship. So be in, careful. <laughs> yeah. In uh, my limited experience um i feel like there is a time and a place to you know to give a suggestion or to state what you think could be a solution to the problem but that time and the and place is not when um you should be listening right it's usually even like the next day the next week something like that when emotions aren't running so high and when you've already established, like what my mom said, you've already proven that you're listening, that you've empathized, that you have connected with her and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the ask, ask the person if you can, if they want your suggestion, just say, Hey, I thought of something you could try. Do you want, are you interested in hearing it? Like ask permission before you give it to them. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah, that's that's something really interesting too that I've noticed is like uh, quite frequently when this happens and I offer my suggestion, mm. they've already thought of what I've said. <laughs> exactly. Like, most of the time, they they already know. So, 
it's a counselor trick I do when somebody asks for advice or an answer to something. I'll say, well, what have you thought about doing? And most of the time they have a pretty good idea of what they need to do because they are the expert in their life. I'm not the expert in their life. And it just, it kind of empowers them to, to just kind of have someone go, yeah, you know, that might work. Like just support what they've already decided. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. Yeah. <clears throat> the worst thing you can do, Garrett, Christian, I don't know, <laughs> Christian, if you do this or not, <laughs> but in the middle of, of your partner telling you something that's troubling or upsetting is to, um, just, just interrupt with ideas of what they ought to do to fix it. Just, just be quiet and let them, let them go. Just, just sit beside them and take it in and just comfort them, not try to fix it in the moment. Good advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're both doing okay, it sounds like. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe, yeah. I'm sure there's room to improve. Always room to improve. Um, so I got another question. We're kind of jumping back and forth, I feel like, because uh, obviously me and Garrett are at different stages, right? And so we have different things on our mind to an extent. But um, going back to uh, my previous question about did you feel like you sacrificed a lot mm-hmm. um, during that stage of life? Did how did having children change your relationship with dad, or in what ways did it change? Um, he's right here bugging me. Get out of here. <laughs> well, uh, you know it. It just, I mean, as we work together, because it it is a challenging time. I mean, I think. You, you you have no idea until you do it, right? Until you become parents, you really have no idea. You still don't have any idea what you're doing, but you're you're just starting this new part of your life and trying to figure things out. And and you just knowing that you can have that support from a um, a partner and um, it, I think it helps you. I mean, in my experience, we grew closer together. Um, and watching your dad, Christian, your dad as a, as a father, it, I became, I don't know, more attracted to him. It's like a different side of him. Um, is, is that, does that answer your question? I think, I think we yeah. you grow closer together when you're invested in this one thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a stressful time also. I want to add that in because I think sometimes we romanticize parenthood and motherhood and fatherhood as it's just like, Oh, it's so wonderful and fabulous, but it's hard. Parenting is a crapshoot. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to do, what, how yeah. you're going to work it out. And it, it's, it's a challenging time, but it's also, like I said, anything worth you put your effort into it. it it's very rewarding. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. And I I have this question because, and again, it's been a while since we read the last chapter of this book, and I don't remember if it was in this book or in 
a different podcast or something that I listened to of this author, of John Gottman, but he talks about how a lot of times when a couple has a, a child or children, they their relationship that previously was, you know, there was a lot of fun and excitement to it and a lot of play turned into them essentially being just like partnerships on a team raising the child and everything became about the child and they lost a lot of that excitement um, mm. or, or play, I think is the word he uses and, and such, which you would think, and maybe this is me romanticizing um, child rearing, but there's a lot of, well, I know it's not, I know there's a lot of joy in raising children. I've heard that from pretty much every man I've ever talked to about being a father, but um, did you feel any of that? Like there was a loss of just, and maybe even for a short, short term, even short term, did you feel these things and later it, it, you know, autocorrected or whatever, but did you feel any of that, you know, lack of connection or lack of romance or excitement or fun or anything like that at any stages in having children, raising children? Um, I think there's a natural, there's a, a kind of a, a natural loss of freedom that comes for sure. And with that, maybe some spontaneity and maybe for a short time, what might have been defined as fun can be, it has to change, <laughs> Because you are no longer free to just, you know, when you have a little baby in tow, I mean, you've seen your sisters, you can't just pick up and, and on a whim, just do things. You have yeah. a, a little one's schedule to take into consideration. So it definitely changes things. But I also think, um, like I said, watching watching someone you love care for a little human being your love kind of grows deeper and and maybe what you thought were very important components of your relationship they they change and morph into something different um it's an adjustment um it's definitely an adjustment and then it does i think it settles and changes and then eventually they all leave and get married and you kind of go back to what you had before (laughs) all the children. So did that answer it question? Your, your question, Christian? Yeah, no, it it definitely did. Okay. Yeah. Do you uh, enjoy not having kids around as much as my parents? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Nice. I mean, I, I, I want, I mean, we, we, we make that drive to Utah. I don't know how Christian, how often, like once a month, twice a month, sometimes, sometimes every weekend with different things. We really do like miss and want to, to be with our children, but we really do enjoy our own. I guess you kind of go back to that freedom that you had before the commitment of raising a family. Um, yeah. And uh, we've earned it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. We we worked ourselves out of a job in, in good ways. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, there's this old guy in my ward. 
and he's he's used this quote like four times now uh, in different Sunday school lessons over the five months we've lived here. But he's always like, you know, I always say about grandkids, the best two sights are the headlights and the taillights. <laughs> and he's, he, I've, I've heard him say that four times now. So Really? That's funny. <laughs> he overuses it, but I thought it was pretty funny the first one or two times. <laughs> that, that, that is pretty funny. That is funny. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so one of the very first things that this book talks about is what women look for in men. And they claim that even if it's subconscious, all women are really looking for is someone that they can trust. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I I, I think I might agree with that. Is that what Gottman says? It's it's all about trust. Uh, more or less. Would you sum that up that way, Christian? Yeah, he basically says the number one thing that a woman really wants is someone they can trust. Um, someone who's reliable, accountable, and someone who shows up. Oh, and one other definition is someone who says who they someone who is who they say they are you are who you say you are and you do what you say you're going to do yeah so that's the long definition <laughs> yeah i i think i mean you know i'm i'm helping you guys with like this last this last chapter but you know it's kind of talking about supporting her as a mother and um you know like as as the roles change in your marriage if if when children come along if she feels if your partner feels supported and and she trusts you and you support her in that role like i think i think i mean that's a good recipe for a success and a happy marriage and a happy family as you work to raise a family is it, it, it does come down to trust. I mean, I would, I mean, there's it definitely like, it's, there's a lot of things that go into play here, but I think it, it, that's probably very true is that you're, if you can't, if you can't trust your partner, then I, I mean, it's not going to work. <sighs> And I yeah. see that all, all too often in, in, in relationships where the trust has been broken and it's super hard to fix. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing for people to get over when, when, when a, somebody's betrayed another person in a relationship, that that's a tough one. It can be, but it's, it's a really hard one to, to work on and fix. Yeah. No. I believe it. Yeah. So that's probably true. I mean, Gottman, he's the he's the expert. He he's got the love lab. He he's probably right. I'm not who's gonna argue with Gottman? <laughs> <laughs> not us. <laughs> hmm. so. Interesting. All right, I've got one other question. I think okay. it's the last one that we actually told you about beforehand, but have you seen the importance of involved fathers? in your career, in your practice with counseling? Um, Yes. And I would say in my experience, 
I've seen the damage of uninvolved fathers. So yes, to answer your question, I've seen what it can do to a child or a or a, a wife of when the father is not involved or not available, um, emotionally available to his family. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that, that's, it's, it's tragic. Um, I have adult, I have, I have women in their, I mean, fifties who are still working through the challenges of their childhood when their father was, there was no father or their father didn't care to, to be with them or their, their father or in that case, their mother or a parent figure who just was absent. And it's heartbreaking. Um, there's so many studies about how important it is for a father to be involved in their children's lives. I mean, I think Gottman brings up some of those in his book. Yeah. So something you said that's really interesting that I've never really thought about is that uh, – the father or mother, we'll just say parent, can be there, but they may not be emotionally available. Yeah. What, um, like, how do you make yourself more emotionally available? Or, I, I, I don't know, it's just not something. You don't try to fix things, Garrett. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, really, it's just, being there and being okay with like being real with your own emotions and being okay with the emotions of the children or your partner. And when you're, I mean, when people try to fix things, that's basically saying we're not okay with this level of sadness. We got to take care of this and fix it right now. It's not allowing people to just have their emotions and, parents make this mistake. I did it too. Probably at times where like a kid is crying and you're just like, Oh, you're okay. You know, toughen up. Or, uh, Christian can probably tell you, I said that to him at times. Um, but it's, it's not doing that all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's allowing the kid to have their emotions and there's yeah. no, no wrong emotion. And there isn't a wrong emotion for your partner either. If you're uncomfortable with tears, get comfortable with it because you're going to have a lot of them in in a relationship. If yeah. if, if she's being real, <laughs> no, I'm I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get get used to that discomfort because that's being emotionally available when you allow a person to cry if they need to cry, or rant if they need to rant, and not put limits. You know, it's, it's what you do with it. It's not the, the, it's not the sadness or the anger. That's a problem. It's what you do with it in its wake that can cause problems. But being emotionally available means that you, you connect and you empathize with the person. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it made sense when you said it, it's just something that I've never really thought about, like yeah. being present, but not actually being present, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we, we don't talk about enough how important empathy is with one another, but empathy is, is truly trying to understand what that person's going through. Um, and just connecting on that. So if a person is feeling, um, 
discouraged. We all know what that feels like to, to be discouraged or disappointed or rejected. We can tap into that and just, and it's not trying to tell your story to connect. It's just allowing that person to feel that feeling and just sit with them. I mean, that's just being emotionally available to your partner when that happens. Sometimes it's not saying anything at all. It's just sitting with them and holding their hand if that's what they need. <laughs> but what it's not is walking away or saying, I don't have time for this. Like, oh, you're so emotional. That's not being available to them. <laughs> Those things. That's what not to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's a, a trait. I think sometimes we think of men not being able to, um, men aren't as emotional. You hear that all the time. Women are so emotional. But if, if I think it's refreshing when men can be emotional. Yeah. They, they let it, they let down their guard for a minute or, or, or not just let down their guard. Cause that sounds like it's a weakness, but it's like, it's just being real. Yeah. I think like, I used to think that I wasn't super emotional, but I think my emotions are just different. Uh, like. I like anger is an emotion that I have been feeling lately at work. Mm -hmm. And I used to not realize that. Like I, I didn't think of anger as an emotion, but it, it obviously is. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think men tend to think that they're not emotional, but they just feel differently. I think men in our society are, conditioned that anger is okay for men but but sadness is not okay it's a it's a not okay emotion to be sad but that's just a false idea yeah women are it's okay for women to be sad but if a woman is angry then she's kind of bitchy so can i say <laughs> that on this podcast <laughs> yes you can I think, that's, I think that's the worst word we've ever used oh, well, mom. well edit edit that out because my mom might listen to it <laughs> no <laughs> I'm staying in for sure. So, I mean, really, it's it's what you're conditioned, and sometimes our families, it's conditioned even differently. Like, none of it's okay in certain families. And so, yeah. And just, it's where God gave us our emotions for a reason, and it makes us humans, and that's how we connect. So, yeah. we need them. But I'm rambling. Gonna you, end this thing probably. Do you have. A lot of, is that like really hard, like with your profession, do you see a lot of men that can't express themselves emotionally? Um, I think, I don't, I wouldn't say I see a lot of men. I think sometimes it's, it's more likely to be the man that is the one that is stoic and unemotional. But I also see women that way too, that have just learned to shut that off. And I think that's a learned trait. They've kind of been conditioned through their childhood or whatever to just shut it down. But we're not, we, like I said earlier, we, we connect on an emotional level with one another. It's, it's a people who are, are unable to show their emotions truly have a hard time connecting with people. Yeah. We're not meant to be robotic and, um, I don't, I, you know, it's just, just how we connect 
by th- through our feelings and our emotions. So yeah. It's normal and natural. Interesting. Do you feel like, sorry, sorry for all the questions. This is my last one, I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you feel like social media plays a big role in uh, like relationship problems and uh, or people's emotions, I guess, how they feel their emotions? Um, I just think social media plays a big negative role in about everything right now, but that's just me on my <laughs> soapbox. So I think, I think social media has distorted a lot of things. Um, and, and it has its positives, but I also think it has a, a lot of negatives in relationships and connections with one another. I don't think they're real, um, through social media. I don't think there is, nothing's going to take the place of sitting with a person um, or connecting with the person live as much as Facebook was started to make people connect, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, this is great. I can be in touch with somebody that lives in another state, but they're, they're just kind of artificial connections. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think, and it's, and, and they're, and they're skewed like, Oh, look at how happy we are. Our, you know, this cute little couple, but like that's a, a nanosecond of their life. <laughs> yeah. And then people compare. So it's, mm. it's not great. But, well, we nice. can talk any other time about anything you guys want to. We don't have to get on a podcast, you know, we can just have a group call. <laughs> hey. True. But I <laughs> mean, you're, this is probably one of our better episodes because someone, <laughs> someone on here actually knows what they're talking about for once. So we'll have to have you on again. You guys know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I mean, we've, read a, we've read about 150 pages in a book, and that's about all our knowledge. <laughs> well, you've got some life experience. Don't, don't dismiss yeah, that. <laughs> a little bit. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Susie. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Uh, hopefully, moving forward, uh, Garrett and I will be a little more consistent on these episodes. And uh, I think we need to do more with guest stars because those ones seem to uh, be hits. So yeah, they're a lot. Too. They're a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> For whom? <laughs> I mean, I enjoy them a lot. <laughs> I also enjoy just talking to Christian, but me too, yeah. Garrett. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't call more, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> you owe me now. Once a week, son. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll do my best. <clears throat> all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, me and Garrett will hopefully be back. We will. We will be back soon. Uh, we got to pick a new book. So, if you have any suggestions, let us know. And, uh, yeah, you got anything else to add, Garrett? Uh, I don't. All right. Okay, well, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll hope to have you back here again soon.